Welcome back to the Hit Factor Podcast. On tonight's episode, we have Jason Bradley returning and Matt Hopkins on again after a long break. This episode, when you're listening to it, it should drop the day before voting for Area 3 reopens. So we figured we'd we'd get Matt on here, uh, discuss Area 3 a little bit, give him a chance to kind of present his case before uh, we vote for him. I know it's a very heated election with... uh, is there anyone even running against you? Yes, there is. That's why there okay. actually is an election. Okay, okay. So uh, we've got kind of a list of questions we're going to run through with Matt here. He's going to give us his reasons for running, what he expects to accomplish, and he's going to tell us how to vote since I don't think I've lived in Area 3 for well the whole time I've shot, so that's like six or seven years now. And I don't think I've ever had to vote for the area director. So Yeah, so same here. I haven't ever had to vote for Area 3 either. And I've done it for a little longer than that. Matt, I'm going to assume most people listening to this probably already know you. But just in case they don't, give us the, like, 30-second, who is Matt Hopkins? So mainly a production and now a CO shooter. So shot Shadow 2s. Uh, MMP, SPL1 Shadows, now shooting a P10 and carry optics. Uh, been shooting, shooting since 2007 in USPSA. Basically, like, started from the ground up, took lessons from people in classes and taught, got taught. Uh, to live in Kansas City, Missouri, work for a major firearms and manufacturer. It's okay to say CZ's name on here. Okay, um, I work for CZ, so... Shoot for them, shoot for federal also. So have a 24 round mag, unlike Jason. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you also don't have a, a Turkish made handgun. I don't. You have an American made handgun. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> for the first time in how long is, is your handgun, the handgun you're shooting made in America? You know what I mean? For like the last year, you've, you've been shooting a gun made in I America. I know, like a year and a half since oh, last dude, year. No, I- I've been corrected before on, on Facebook. The Shadow 2, it says right on it, Kansas City, Kansas. It's made in America. Like, my Shadow 2s are clearly, I, I'm misinformed by the... Uh, <laughs> the company you work for. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm misinformed by the part where they say made in the Czech Republic and that where we import them. But I'm wrong. They're actually, they're actually made in Kansas City. All right, so we're going to get into the most important question first. Yeah. Mexican food or barbecue? Mexican food, obviously. Your parents are going to be so disappointed in you. I can get that whenever I want, though. <laughs> but if we get Mexican food, I know I'm done shooting for the day. It's true. Dude, I, we're on, like, stage one of a local match, and I, I'm ready for Mexicans. Like, hey, who wants to cut out early and go get Mexican food? <laughs> I've never done that, but... I don't think I actually have either. You ever done that, Jason? No, uh, who was I? I was shooting a match with somebody. I don't even remember what it was, but I was trying to talk him into leaving. <laughs> you were trying to uh, talk him into it. I was like, "It's raining. Let's just go." Wasn't that Ozark? Well, no, it wasn't Ozark. I didn't shoot Ozark. I won't shoot Ozark again. You won't. So no, I won't shoot that match ever. I won't shoot that match again. Yeah, you know, I just, I just remembered something important. Uh, we're all shooting Area Four, and you know what is in Tulsa? El Diablo. Yeah. Yes, the only place we went were in Tulsa. I've never eaten there, dude. That place has the best, the best like Mexican mixed like fajita Mm. type plate, dude. Uh, I know, dude. We go to El Tequila, and it's the bomb. Is that the one in Tulsa? 
It's in Owasso. Well, maybe right, right, right. Tequila. It's, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's it's close to the range. I'm pretty sure that's probably actually it. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Like El Diablo. I don't know the name of the Mexican restaurant that I eat at like three times a week that's a half mile from my house. So, Matt, y'all have a, um, your family has a Kansas City barbecue restaurant? Yeah. Yep. But, but like, is it good barbecue? Because, I mean, it's Kansas City. Real barbecue. Yeah. It's not so, like that uh, Texas crap. Texas barbecue is the best. I mean, so barbecue beef, ribs. <laughs> it's dinosaur it's, bones right it's pretty good it's i mean it's probably in the top 10 at kansas city so it's probably better than all of texas barbecue combined <laughs> dude there's some pretty good barbecue joints down in texas but whatever i don't know i know he lives in arkansas but always references texas first of all y'all brought up texas i didn't say anything about texas <laughs> so all right so so i guess uh we're gonna we'll get right into it matt so to give us the uh, breakdown on the reasons you chose to run. So I've been mulling this over for quite a bit. Uh, Sherwin decided to not run again. So I stepped up and said I would run. The reasons I want to run, I'm not super happy with the direction of the organization and the changes they've made recently, like how they want to cater more towards bringing in revenue over anything else at this point profit for the non-for-profit do what profit for the not-for-profit is very important call it profit it's there's some other term because it's a non-profit it's like net assets or something like that it's called bonus money (laughs) 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 something like that yeah sorry we distracted you keep going no no i i want to i want to bring the sport more back to competition instead of just participation. So I want to award winners. Um, I want to maybe make or help along and get some changes in there that make everything more equal, like to a competitor. Like, so from I'm shooting a stage and Jason's shooting a stage, something can happen to me and take me totally out of the match. Or something can happen to Jason and take him totally out of the match. That is no fault of his own or his own equipment. It's just how some of the rules are set up. And basically the current administration hasn't done anything to address any of those issues. There's not a match goes by that. You don't see that. Like, I mean, the biggest one right now is what popper calibration, right? I am very familiar with that. Uh, I shot right behind JJ at production nationals and it also did not fall for me. I just, I lucked out. I won calibration. So the wind was blowing at that point then. <laughs> yeah. That's a totally incorrect way to do it. Like, hey, if, why are we punishing people for no fault of their if own? If he wanted to knock it over, he'd have shot major. That's true. He, we could go to all major scoring <laughs> and, and leave the calibration power factor the same. That would make sense. Well, production, yeah. would, be, production would be a lot more interesting if everyone was loading nine major. Oh yeah, it, yeah, it, it would be. So the other thing that's never made sense to me on popper calibration is, hey, it didn't fall. I'm going to shoot it again. Like it's already been shot. So like logic says, when it gets hit, it is moved a little bit. So like it gets set. It's supposed to get set. You would think in the same place every time. It was shot. So that can't be in the same place. That that's almost like it. It's moved a little bit. So it would make sense that 
normally it's going to fall on the second shot on the calibration shot. So I really think that came back. I don't know the history on it, but I believe that dates back to when they had only rearward falling poppers, but it's still like your argument still remains the same though. Like the popper would have moved. I just don't think they've updated this rule to bring it into, into basically the current century, right? They're still using the old rule back from the 90s and haven't changed it at all. We have forward-falling poppers. We have poppers with levers on them and, and bolts and everything else that can come loose and not be adjusted, right? Like, I think this is the easiest thing that would make probably the biggest difference around the country that people would see fixing this rule. Get rid of a problem that shouldn't be a problem. Exactly, yeah. So how long is the term for area director? So all the terms for all the board of directors, including the president, is four years. And so every two years, so every year, two of the directors are up for election. So the current year, Area 1 and Area 3 are up for election. Area 1 is running unopposed, so... Bruce is going to get reelected to that position for another four years. And then we'll have the, someone will make it out of the current election for area three and they'll be in that term for four years. Okay. So four years, a lot of time to, to get stuff done or. Yep. So what are your expectations for the term? This is a very interesting question. and something I've, I've been asked kind of recently on this before, like after I've decided to do it and everything, like I don't expect to get put on the board and then go in and ram and force changes onto the board. Like there has, you have to build consensus with other board members. I, I plan on talking with individual board members, bringing up issues. I see talking outside of board meetings. I think one of the biggest issues right now is no one is talking before the meetings about stuff from what I've heard from other board members, they don't get the agenda beforehand. They don't talk about rules beforehand. We see that with the flashlights and the holster placement changes that they had back in February. Like none of the board members talk to their basically area members and all the board members are on different pages. Like one board member saying it's because people are coming out to matches and want to use appendix carry. Other board members are saying we added the flashlights because people can't use their carry guns. One of the board members said, oh, well, we have to do that because we're bumping too many people to open. So, like, none of them being on the same page because they didn't discuss it beforehand or, like, talk about ramifications after. And they also didn't even talk and follow the bylaws for the three-month rule where they just immediately voted to take it into effect. Now, I believe that rule's in there because you could make a rule, get it out to all the members for even more feedback than you got previously, which you should get feedback before you make a rule change from your members of the area. And then members can discuss it and see. And then there's a three-month time where you could give feedback to your area director. They can go back to the board and make sure that's a sound as decision and this has actually happened in the past where they voted a trigger pull limit in production put it out there and it they made it not in place for three months they got member feedback they realized it maybe wasn't the best decision and the board reversed that rule 
and it was never actually in effect. So there is a good reason why those that timeline is in there. I think we should follow that to a T. I just want to point out something on the whole excuse of it makes my carry gun legal. Well, my carry gun is a general, completely stock, 15-round, compact handgun. Same as probably most people that carry outside of their pocket would carry. And I still can't reasonably use it in production because I'm not going to put four bags on my hip and run in my carry position. I mean, that's not a reasonable excuse. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody's... Like, how many lights have you guys seen at matches at this point, right? None. Oh, I, I did see a... I did Very see few. Couple. I did see a guy yesterday using a gun that doesn't currently fit in any divisions have to shoot in open. So maybe we need to address that. What, what, what was that? Oh, he was shooting one of those new alien pistols that were like $5,000. There's only 500 of them or whatever. Those are production legal now, I think. Uh, well, he was shooting it in open minor because he had a magwell and a red dot on it. Oh, well, it was just put too much stuff on it. it it's kind of unrelated to the podcast, but it, I, I did find it interesting. It was his first match. He'd never shot before. And that was the gun he showed up with. <laughs> Is he this it was his first match ever? Yeah. Uh his his dad had shot some before though. Okay. So I think he just kind of bought a cool gun that he wanted because it was interesting and then came out and shot with his dad. Dude, those guns, like that's a be- that's a better investment than Bitcoin at this point, I think. <laughs> those guns are selling for double or triple their money already. I was wow. I was really surprised to see that at our Tuesday night indoor match. Be interesting. I actually would have liked to seen it. Well, maybe you should have came and shot with us. I should have been there, man. I know. But I, I got a question. So what other sport will they allow someone that's not actively involved, who's basically getting their first taste, what other sport will basically change their rules and cater to let that group come in and uh, basically be, you know, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I've never uh, had anybody dude, explain it to me where it makes no, sense. No, every, every, you can't go out to the fucking MLB and use a metal bat. Right. Because that's yeah, all you dude. got. Right. If you want to play this game, you play within the rules. It's that simple. I was just out of the NASCAR race and they wouldn't let me use my Taurus in the race. Like it was bullshit. Like I should have, I should have had my opportunity to go out there and qualify with my daily driver. <laughs> and then, I registered for this marathon the other day, but since I don't run, they wouldn't shorten the race to a hundred yards for me. So I didn't die. (laughs) And you know what, you know, if they make a rule like this, they should have hard numbers on like how many more members it brought in, how many new shooters are coming out because of this. So I'm, I'm going to look forward to that in February when Foley presents those results. Right. He, he'll compare it to like 2020 numbers <laughs> where no one was shooting <laughs> or he could probably, well, if that's next year, he could use uh 2021 numbers because nobody can find primers. There you go. Yeah. So Matt, I got to ask you some questions. Um, I'm going to hear this. So I, I hear this actually quite a bit. Um, you don't understand the process. It's, it doesn't work that way. You can't just come in here and be like, we're making, we're getting rid of popper calibration. No, that's why I said you got to build I, I, right. consensus with people and talk yeah. to people about it beforehand. How's, how are you going to do that when you show up to the meeting and then they hit you with an agenda? You asked for it beforehand. 
Okay. Like, there's no thought in my mind I'm going to go into this first meeting in February where it's in person and get anything changed or have any influence on the board. Like, I don't, like, just being realistic, that won't happen. It's actually going to be probably far worse than that because they're going to be defensive against me. Just because what I've been saying this whole year, like, we're not happy with the board. We're not happy with the decisions they've been making. Like, I don't expect anything to happen. I don't think you should go to a board meeting and present a new idea, discuss it during that meeting, and make a decision out of that meeting at the same time. It doesn't make sense. All these decisions should be thought about well ahead of time, discussed out, maybe not outside of board meetings, but you can talk on email or whatever you want to talk about. And like, maybe if they would have actually talked about this before the board meeting, they would have found out that people are going to, well, there's going to be some entrepreneurial people that come out there and create options like frame weights that have a keychain light in them. So they're classified as flashlights. You know, my favorite part about that rule change that they had to clarify is that frame weights were legal and limited. And they technically made them illegal at the first ruling because it said it had to have a working light. They're like, oh, wait, no, you can still use your frame weight and limit it. <laughs> yeah, but didn't they, but didn't, and I, I could be wrong on this one, but didn't they, in doing this last one, didn't they also make the light that was a gutted and weight? They might have had to clarify that because if you gut the that, light, that's, that's not a working light now. That's what I was referring to. Okay, so they clarified that a gutted light can be a weight. Yes. Gotcha. Because you could okay. also have a frame weight and limited. Right. So just because you use a light as your frame weight, yeah. it doesn't have to work. But I, I I gather what you're referring to, Matt, is primarily is you don't want to show up to the meeting, have a set of proposed rules thrown in front of you, and then vote on them that night. You don't no, want to have make those, any sense. Makes perfect sense, actually, when you think about it, Matt. <laughs> does it? If you think about it, it does. Well, yeah. If you if you if you want to ram that rule through, yes, that does make perfect sense, Jason. Is it the best for the sport? No. Does that make sense, Jason? Though, like, yeah. Can I answer no, yeah. It, 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 yeah. I knew. I know you said that earlier, but I kind of wanted to bring it back up and just maybe reiterate it because. Yeah, I, uh, I fully don't expect to have any alliances on the board at this point. I don't know. Maybe I'll have one or two. I don't. I don't really know the dynamic at this point. I only actually talked about a handful of them, two or three. It, it sounds like to me, though, you're you're coming into it with an open mind. You're not necessarily being like, "We got to change all this stuff." No, you're more coming in like, "Let's." Slow I don't down want to change care. anything. I want to freeze freeze changes for like two years minimum. Yeah, you're like slow down and get our hits over here. Just slow down, like put the brakes on, like really fast. Like, we don't need to make any more changes. What do we need to change right now? I think the only pressing issue that I would want to have changed within my first year is fixed popper calibration. That's the only thing. And then I got three other years to work on all my other stuff that I want to get done to help better the sport. Okay. So that's a good segue into my next question for you. The cha- What changes did, do you want to make? So obviously, you know, we're, we're to cal- popper calibration. What else do you want to see in two, three, four years? All right. So one thing I think we should recognize one, two, three overall independent of class wins. This is a competition. We should award the winners. Not saying we shouldn't like, I still think class like trophies and plaques and awards are very smart. It gives 
something for people to look forward to. Like if you won second B, like you're going to look forward to winning first B at the next match or the next year or something, or getting up into a class and win one of those trophies. I think we need to recognize one, two and three overall, and we could do it based on number of participants. Like we do with everything else. That wouldn't be that hard. It's only a couple more trophies or plaques or anything. Like you could build that into the match fee. I think it's important to recognize the people that put the most work in and perform the best. Yeah, it's almost like the competition. Yeah, we are keeping score. It's weird. And, and I know a lot of people disagree on like class trophies, but like, yeah, granted, like today, they don't matter to me. But I remember my first year, the first time I won a trophy at a match, like it absolutely does not mean anything. It was like third C class or something. Like that was huge motivation to continue. It was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to keep doing this. I still got my first first place production C class trophy. I keep that around. I never. Oh wait, I did win. A, I did win a first C trophy. I was saying I never did, but I did. Did you have you said that you want to make it a big deal? You want to make the sport a big deal? That's something you as a vision of yours, or something that you're passionate about, or what? Well, I think the competitive aspect of the sport, like we need to go back to that. Like we, th- like we need to work on competitive equity. We need to adjust the rules to make that like the number one priority. Like this is a sport we are keeping score. There are winners and losers. We should know the winner of the sport of the match and then yeah. award based on that. What about top 16 trophies and nationals? I don't think I can have an effect on that as a area, like a board member, area three director. That's solely a president uh, choice or decision. I think, I mean, I'll look into it a little further, but I, I think that's an important step that goes beyond just class wins, but I don't think I, as area three director would have any effect on that. I think a lot of people, you know, they're newer to the sport probably don't know where top 16 comes from. You kind of break it down. Basically, in the old days, there used to be a steel shoot-off the next day, and the top 16 competed in it. And I'm, I'm not sure. I think Ipswich still does that for, like, world shoots and stuff, right? Yeah, they uh, they have a shoot-off. I think it's top eight. Yeah, and... It doesn't for, mean for, anything. It's just for fun. It's like a side thing. Yeah, but basically, top 16 kind of demo- denoted the, you know, the, the, the best shooters in the country. It was also kind of a homage back to our like roots of the old days. Like the last year they did it, I think was my first year. I think 2015 nationals was the first or last year they did it. Cause I, I don't think they did it at 2016 nationals at all. I'm not sure exactly when they did it, but I think that's a, it's a, it's another stepping stone that people will work towards. Mm-hmm. Like people still recognize it. It's still basically another level after yeah. the classes and before the actual podium that people look at and people recognize, even though they don't award it. Well, like when I was brand new to shooting, like people would uh, describe like a guy that was good. They're like, Oh yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a top 16 guy. Like that was like, basically like that was a, a level of its own. Yeah, for sure. I want to bring rule stability. Like I don't, I want to freeze. I don't want to change any rules except for popper calibration within the next year. I don't see any rule that needs to be changed. I think there's some stuff we could look at, like allowing video at some point. I think it has to be implemented in a smart way. And you limit, like, once you, like, when you first start rolling it out, 
you limit what it can be used for. Yeah. So just for an example, 180 calls can't use video for there's too much there. Like you don't know where the camera is, where the RO is, where you are, all that. Like can't even be used for that. But if someone shot the RO said they shot eleven rounds in production and they show the video and they show ten round shot, like I think video could be used for that. Yeah, or potentially even like a footfall or something. I still think that would be pretty tough, especially since they changed the rule where you don't have to have a certain height fault line. And so the fall line could be pretty close to the ground. The foot could be close to the ground. I don't know how well that would be seen on video, but you're probably actually talking about when kind of like they stepping out and firing a shot before the foot hits the ground, not kind of just leaning over a fault line, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I maybe. I don't know. So, yeah. I think you can roll it out in pieces. You don't have, like, you're not going to go full send with it right away. Like, it's just, it's simple. Like, you don't make changes, like, wholesale. Like, you got to lead people into it. Bring it down for us. What is our process to vote? I, I know it starts July 1st, but otherwise I have no idea. So, for the actual voting aspect of this, you have to be an Area 3 member as of May 1st, as far as I know. At that point, the people that are eligible to vote is frozen in time. They send that to the election company. They get that. Then they will send a letter, basically like a post-it note or like a index card size letter with a pin on it that you will be able to log in and vote. You can go to a website and vote online or you can fill that card out and mail it back to the election company. That lasts from July 1st to the end of the month, July 31st, which will be the first day of Area 3. Interesting. Ooh. So we'll know if you're if you're the new Area 3 director at Area 3. Um, I doubt it. So the election company has to tell USPSA within 15 days of the ending, so middle of August. So basically, I don't know when they'll actually know or when they'll tell everybody or when they'll announce it. So, But they have to have the results to USPSA by the middle of August. I, I suspect we'll know before the end of August. Yeah, so you can get online. You can log into USPSA. Uh, there'll be some spot where you can click on the link and vote. And you'll probably enter your PIN number off from the election company's card that they send you. Go in there and vote for whoever you think would do the best job at Area 3 Director. Um, yeah, that's about it. You can only vote once. And this is a completely volunteer position, right? Like, there is no compensation for doing this. 100%. 100% volunteer. I was going to wait till that this topic was over, and I was going to ask another question about the directorship. You know, what you're kind of what, how you're going to run matches. Um, area three is basically, uh, notorious for a certain style of match. And I was wondering if you were going to continue that, or if you were going to kind of maybe trend towards the traditional match style. One of the other things besides being a voting member of the board for USPSA is you're basically in charge of making sure the area match happens. You can either do that by running the match you can delegate it to a range to set up and you kind of do some background stuff. It's basically up to the area director how involved they get with it. Some are 100% involved and have 100% control. Some delegate it out and let a club in the area do it and have basically just oversight 
as saying their match director, but they have other people that kind of do everything. Uh, not exactly sure which way I'm going to do that yet, but I plan on having, I'd say, more shooting challenge stages and more or less carnivalish, like physical stuff that kind of takes away from the shooting aspect of it. So I don't foresee myself continuing on with the current way Area 3 stages have been in the past. Do you plan to are you are you thinking the match will move around? Will it stay in Grand Island? Uh I don't think the match will stay in Grand Island. Uh there's a couple spots I have in mind. I don't know exactly. I mean, honestly, it'll depend on if I get elected or not at that point. But I do have some I've been thinking about this. I I think there's probably three or four suitable ranges that can hold area three and area three. Uh, one's in Minnesota, one's in two are in Nebraska, I guess. One's in Kansas, one's in Missouri. So I guess there's five. Fort Smith. Do it in Fort Smith, Arkansas. It's an hour from my house. <laughs> it's technically not in Area 3, but it's okay. They've actually done that before, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't. I don't plan on doing that, though. <laughs> but it's an hour from my house. I oh. know, but so is Springfield, right? Yeah, Springfield. I'm not shooting at that range. I I do if, that, if, I, if it depends on who's running the match because it will matter if you want to have a good match. So I do think it's good though when the matches move around, not like every year, but they move every two years or something. Where I think that's a good thing is, say you're say you're in Minnesota, yes, this, this year, and then next year you're in you know Kansas or South Missouri or something. Like you're certainly going to draw some different like average Joe shooters, the guys that aren't going to fly to that match, the guys that are going to fly to the match don't really care where it's at, but guys that are driving to the match when it becomes three or four hours from home, instead of nine, you get some different people, which I think is good because it makes the match more accessible to, you know, the average member, the guy that shoots two or three majors a year and shoots all of his locals. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I definitely think it can move around. I don't see it staying in grand Island for any reason at all. They don't have a very big club there, do they? I don't think they have I don't think they have a huge club. They have a club though. Yeah, I think it's they think get it's a lot of support from Hornady from what I've talked to Sherwin about. Yeah. And then uh obviously Sherwin has a you know long standing relationship with those guys and Yeah, the yeah, he has a long they've had they've had the match there for ten years probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't hurt if it moves around a little bit. Maybe it comes back someday, but Jason. Yeah, you never know. Maybe someday. Jason's abandoned us to go look at his cell phone. <laughs> He's updating his OnlyFans page. Oh goodness. <laughs> this is why I haven't been on the show. <laughs> I get tired of Jerry. <laughs> That's right. You heard it here first. He hasn't been on the show because OnlyFans <laughs> makes way more money than podcasting about shooting. Even even me. Even I make a lot of money on OnlyFans. <laughs> Oh, it's a weird world we live in. I think outside of unless uh, Matt, unless you have anything else to add on your candidacy, I'm um, I'm good. I just want to let people know that it's coming up. Get out there and vote. Make your voice heard. I think it's something like twenty percent of eligible people even vote for the president. I don't know what the area. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Area three hasn't been voted on since the '90s, I think. So, yeah. Let's well, be honest here. If, if if you don't vote, do you really like have a gripe 
on yes like, this is, who this is, is your yes who's the who's the uspsa president well, i'll think about it because like i want to gripe people want to gripe so they yes they do the the last presidential election for uspsa what was there like five thousand people voted six thousand something like that yeah i think it was five thousand total maybe yeah. seven yeah. between both or something and there's like thirty five thousand members yeah like, you don't vote. It's kind of you should vote if you if you want to have an opinion. I got to be honest with you. That surprises me that um that because people will vote regardless. A lot of times, it's like, hey, I'm voting. I know this is the guy that's been in there. He must be doing a good job, right? They may not have shot a match in the last four years, but it's 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 crazy that somebody that's still a member hasn't shot a lot of matches. I, it just it blows my mind that that few of people vote. It also blows my mind that. We have so many area directors that it seemed to be running unopposed every time, which is good if you get a good director. And like, you know, I don't know. Who, I, I'm new to the sport, but it seems like area three was ran pretty well. And then area four or two, you know, I don't know. Maybe they weren't, but uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. Well, I think you got to look at the statistic, like 50% of the current membership hasn't even shot a match in the last 12 months. Yeah, but that's is that due to COVID or is that is that a norm? Is that the norm every year? That's normal. I don't understand why they pay for it then. Why are they paying their yearly dues? I think you get a lot of people that they start shooting, they get their three or five year membership because this is awesome, and, and then they just don't feel like then they they go find a new hobby or they don't right. feel like the okay. juice is worth the squeeze. So they're members for two or three more years, and, and they, but they're uninvolved. They yeah, they just don't care anymore. Cool. And you know, you you always have the the life happens people. I mean, there's always gonna be people that you know, they play the game for a little while, then they, they get married or have children or a job change or whatever where they can't shoot for a while. And then the, then you see them back out five years later. You know, every club has those guys that have come back after they haven't shot in five or ten years. Yeah, it it's a cycle for sure. I think you have people come in and leave and then come back and some come in and stay for a little while, then leave and never come back, and some shoot it for life. So it seems like to me, if you're if you're around, like if you're still if you're still doing this after you've been doing it for like five or six years, you're probably basically a lifer at it. Like you're gonna do it as long as you probably. I think can. that statistics probably pretty much that. Yeah. All right. Well, Matt, thank you for coming on. Tell us Thanks about. Tell us about Area 3 and popper calibration and, and how much you love flashlights on handguns. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, Jason. Welcome back. Well, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm just coming on, but thank you. <laughs> yes. And Jason, appreciate you jumping back on, joining yeah. us for uh, for an episode. It was good. I missed the guys, man. It was it was fun doing this. Well, I I, I frequently get asked, where where's Jason? And people don't seem to accept the answer that that we're mortal enemies. We are. Yeah, I get asked a lot. Like, why aren't you still doing it? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. Uh, I didn't want to do it. Any, I didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> probably because it's a lot of work, and you weren't having fun with it anymore. I don't it, know. It's not a. It's it's one of them deals where it's not a lot of work, but it's a lot of work. Uh, yeah. I was telling you know, it's like one of those deals. Like, hey, what do you guys think about this? You got four people, and you, two of you are not going to agree. And I was usually well, one of the ones that didn't agree, but I would go along. Or I was, you know, I'd get my way and then I'd be like, well, I got my way last time. I can't do that this time. You know, I need to be cool. And, uh, you know, so somebody would say, well, you're, you're, you still do podcasts. I was like, yes, I do. Um, but when you go on someone else's podcast, you don't have a say, you basically just show up and talk. 
you well, don't do anything, blah, blah, blah. And then if I do a live, it's just like whatever happens, happens. So anyways. Well, basically this, doing the podcast is a weekly commitment. Getting invited to j- jump on somebody else's podcast, it's like a, yeah, I can or no, I can't thing. Yep. Like, a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. And but, but, Jared and I are enemies now. Yes. We're going to fight at the next match we see. Once my shoulder's healed up. Well, my shoulder's <laughs> I, short, too. Once my <laughs> once my shoulder's healed, I got to fight Jared. I got to fight Lane. <laughs> I got to fight a couple people. It's like, but uh, there's going to be some some fighting going on if it ever heals. It's going to be an interesting carry optics nationals. Now I have like six fights scheduled. <laughs> you could do, do one in the morning, one in the afternoons. Yeah. Oh, stop recording. Damn it.